with those <clears throat> work with our children and, and preparing this. We got wool slung everywhere up here. You should have known the Word of God teaches us that sheep need a shepherd. Amen. Uh, we need our shepherd watching over us, or the same will be with us. What a blessing they were to us. If you would, this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of John as we continue on in some sermons that relate to Christmas, which actually every scripture relates to, Jesus, uh, to Christmas because it's about Jesus. But I want us to look at this one this morning. We, Over the last two weeks, we, uh, we've talked about the first Christmas ornament, the star, that the, uh, the Magi, they followed that star, and it led them to where Christ was at. Then last week we spoke of the original missionaries as the shepherds received the, the word of the angels that a, a Christ had been born as they went to that stable and they found Christ. Then they went out and they was telling others of what they had found, what the word had said, what uh, they had been told of the angels and that the Messiah had actually already been born. And then this morning, I want us to look at this passage of scripture that's laid before us. I want us to focus upon this morning uh, on when the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. Look there with me, if you would. John chapter 1, starting there in verse 1, and then we'll read verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now look there in verse 14, and it says, And the Word was was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning confessing my sins. I failed you. Even this morning, Lord, I haven't recognized you in all that I should have. Lord, in my thoughts, I failed you. So, Lord, I pray that you Remove those sins from me as far as the east is the west. And I'm so thankful today that I have the opportunity and the privilege to be able to come before you. Come straight to the throne of grace. And Lord, I'd be not so prideful to think that I could do that on what I am. So Lord, I praise you today for what Jesus has done for me. What Jesus has afforded me to be able to do. And Lord, I pray that he would be lifted up, that he'd be exalted in our service today, that you would receive all the honor and the glory as we praise your name. Remove Satan from this building. You move as you see fit. Use me for your word this morning and bless us. Amen. Chapter uh, 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. It's the Word's always been, and then it said that the Word was with God, but also the Word was God. But we see something different being said here. Look there in verse 14, and it said the Word was made flesh. Verse 1, you never see anything being made. It just always was. But here we're seeing that actually something has been created. Something has changed. The Word was made flesh. And when it says this, that the Word was made flesh, it is talking about an actual physical body. Now, as I've said numerous times, I'm conservative, as you can be. I'm a fundamentalist. I take the Word of God as an actual historical 
God's Word fact is what it is. And I believe today any time that we uh, find someone or even in ourselves start doubting certain parts of the Word of God, you are attacking Jesus Christ Himself because He is the Word. I take it just that uh, strongly. I take it just that, take that commitment in saying that we're attacking Christ when you attack the Word, for He is the Word. That's what the Bible tells us. And we see in this that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men. Now this word dwelt comes from something uh, 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 from the Hebrew text is what the Greeks translated in, and it's talking about uh, that God's temple with God's people, that they would put the temple up. It would be a tent where the Ark of the Covenant was at. And what they would do, you they would set it, Brother Joey, right in the middle of the camp. And see, that's where God dwelt. That's where he came to man, was coming through that tabernacle, through that tent, coming for the in front of the uh, priest at the time of sacrifice. God dwelt among men. How? He became flesh. Pretty simple. It's just laid out there where a child can understand this. God became one of us. Now, of course, when he became one of us through Jesus Christ, born in a major, he was out without sin. He was perfect. There was no sin in him and never would be sin be found in him. Until he became sin, he took it upon himself. Why would God become one of us? Why would he come, become one of us and dwell among us when all the glory of heaven set before him? God do anything that he wants to do, but some reason why would he want to become us? You see, God in creation, as he laid out everything that has ever been created, as it was laid out, and it talks about Jesus being the one that made him exist. You see, it was God's plan, Jesus made it. That's what happened. And in, uh, in all of creation, everything that was made, you know something, when God gets to the end and man was created out of that, do you know why man was created? God has all this love. And he wanted to be able to give that love, but also he wanted to that's God's heart. So he created man so that there could be a fellowship. Now, uh, today we see a lot of these long-distance relationships, but that's not what God desired. I believe in a lot of Christian folks' hearts this morning, we're in a long-distance relationship with Christ, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. God desires a, uh, 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 an intimate relationship with his people, so he became flesh. The word became flesh, came to mankind. So really, what happened in this? You remember, uh, simply God creating and setting any, everything in motion wasn't enough for Almighty God. He desired and has always desired an intimate, involved relationship with his creation. And when he created Adam and Eve, that's what he got. You remember the word of God tells us that in the mornings he would come and have fellowship with them. We saw them early in the morning. And they would fellowship together. Demolished 
how God must have been perfect. All had been given. See, God became man so he could restore, he could get back this relationship. The Word became flesh, became Jesus Christ, born as a, in a manger, uh, became flesh so that he could have that fellowship restored. But also it is necessary. We ask, why would he come? Well, it's because of relationship. But I'm going to say this. It's also necessary for salvation. Can't forget this part. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. So, if man alone dies for his sins, and he does, if it was not for God coming incarnate through Jesus Christ, when mankind would die, that would be the end. There would be no hope for nothing. So therefore, the only possible way of salvation is this. It is for one who is perfect man, whose life is truly and infinite and in, of eternal value, to pay the price on behalf of all. You say there's only one that can do that. So God became flesh. So God became flesh. That's the reason for it. But what does it really mean? Or really, what does it matter that God became flesh? There's a true blessing. If you don't, if you don't get this, you've missed so much. I want to tell you what it matters and what it means about him becoming flesh. God becoming flesh. Jesus Christ incarnate. He's walked in our shoes. Some of you say, oh, well, there's not much to that. Okay. God, through Jesus Christ, who come in a form of a baby, came so that he could be closer to me. God wants to be around us. God desires that we give our heart to Him and we seek His will so there's great fellowship to happen. Jesus Christ came and got, uh, 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 He came in a Bethlehem born in a manger uh, so that this could be restored, so He could walk in our shoes, so He could be closer to us. He came to remove the barriers between God and man. God said, whatever humiliation Jesus Christ would have to endure, whatever the rejection he would have to receive, whatever the pain in which he would have to bear would not be too much of a price for Gary Carter to have fellowship with an almighty God. That doesn't stir your heart, something's wrong this morning. 
that God, the Father, the creator of all things, said, I'll endure it all for you. I'm going to tell you, Christmas is personal to me. It's personal to me. I say that with a broken heart because I know what I am. I realize what I am. But the price was not too much for him to say, I'll have Gary for eternity with me here in heaven. The word became flesh so that we can know the heart of God. I want you to see this. What a blessing it is here in God's word. There with me in chapter 1, verse 18. It says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. No one's seen God, but it's Christ who declares him. The Word became flesh so we can know the heart of God. You see in that passage of Scripture there, it didn't say that uh, the only begotten which is in the head of God. No, it doesn't say that. Jesus Christ did not come born of a virgin, placed in a, uh, a stable, uh, raised with, uh, uh, lived his life without sin. He did not come for the sole purpose of giving us God's wisdom and God's knowledge. That's not what he come for. Now, you can get it, but that's not what he came for. So often we also, we see in this same passage of Scripture, you know, Jesus Christ, it didn't say that he came from the foot of God. We often think, well, you know, Jesus Christ, and he says that I came to be a servant. But now let me tell you who he was serving now. He was serving the Father in that. And therefore man got the benefit of the servant. He came to serve an almighty God. But you see what he says in this? He said he came from the bosom of the Father. You know what that is? That's up here. Right up here. He came from the heart of God. That's what he come from. You say, well, what relevance is that? Jesus Christ came so that you and I I believe there's a lot of people that think so highly of themselves and they think that within their own means, within their own makeup, that they can do great and mighty things. And as far as the world standard is concerned, you can. And as I've said time and time again, I believe in God's people when God's will is for us to do something and when that Holy Spirit convicts us to do that and no matter how insignificant this world may look upon it, it is being because we understand the heart of God and God's directing us and if we give one loaf of bread out in His name, it is worth more eternally than a loaf of bread given out any other organization. It just is. You say, well, it's still a loaf of bread. No, no, it's not. It was given because we understand the heart of God. It's this season. Christmas. You say, well, we're celebrating Christmas. You can't celebrate Christmas with a Christmas tree. Now, you can have a Christmas tree at Christmas. But you won't celebrate through a tree. You won't 
to celebrate with these lights, although you can put them up. The true celebration of Christmas is that God loved mankind so much that he became flesh, Jesus Christ incarnate, so he could show us the real, true God's heart. And we could move with his compassion. So you know really what's supposed to happen. If I know God's heart and I know that to be true and I know why Jesus Christ came and I know what Christmas truly means, everything we do during Christmas or any other time ought to exalt Christ for God's glory. Why? Because the uh, incarnate of Jesus Christ, he came from the bosom of God that you and I could know the heart of Jehovah. That's what it means. Man, how special is that? I've sat in school, and I know y'all all think I was just so good in school, but I did have some problems. And I've had teachers try to tell me something they knew, as we're looking out of the textbook, and try to teach me something they knew. I could take it or leave it. I might not like them, like even what they're saying. But when you start looking into the heart of someone, when you start focusing on the heart of someone, and of course God wants to teach us his word through the moving of the Holy Spirit, he does desire that. But it will take something with you, within you and I to seek the heart of God to ever understand his word. You're lost without the heart of God. There's nothing you can learn of the word of God without the heart of God. Also, I say this, you can't or shouldn't sing a special, teach a Sunday school class, or do anything in your life outside that without seeking the heart of God and his blessing upon it and his movement in it. So he became flesh to transform us into his likeness. Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 says, Have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So is that telling me, uh, Brother Charles, that I'm to look like Jesus? That's exactly what it tells me. So this Christmas season is I'm, I'm at Walmart and I would hate to go over there this morning. I'm going to just be honest with you. By 1230, it's going to be a mess over there. But I'm going to tell you what, if you have to go over there, you need to walk in there and represent Jesus Christ and look like something when you get there. That's what it's saying. And I'm not said that there's one thing wrong with hanging Christmas lights all over your place. You do anything you want to not saying there's anything wrong with a Christmas tree or you can put six in your house. But truly, Christmas is about knowing the heart of God. When he became flesh and dwelt among men, it is actually about Jesus Christ. One of the most dreaded times, because I think on this decoration, if you're that person that puts up a whole bunch of decorations and Christmas gets over and it gets in there at about the second week of January, you're going to hear your wife say, we're going to have to get them Christmas lights stuck down. 
all that effort was put into putting it out. Well, boy, isn't it a dread tearing it down? You ever notice that? Oh, you was excited about getting it up, but boy, it's a dread getting it down. And some people don't. They just leave it up. You know why? It's a dread. I want to read something to you in closing. When the praise of the angels has became still, when the kings had made it back to their home, when the shepherds were back with their sheep, the work of Christmas would truly begin to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release those who are in prison, to rebuild homes, establish nations, bring peace among brothers, and make music in the hearts. The work of Christmas will begin. When the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Praise God for Christmas. Does it take us from having to put up trees and lights? Does it take the planning of family gatherings and big meals to put us in the spirit for Christmas? If so, something's wrong here. God's people can celebrate Christmas because of one thing. What it's about. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, what a blessing. Your word shows us that when the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. And Lord, I'm glad today that you'll dwell among those who are unworthy as myself. I'm so thankful today that you came born of a virgin just like your word tells us. It's not up for debate. I'm thankful that you lived that sinful or sinless life. The only one deserving ever to live, you died for all us that deserve to die, that we may live. And you became my Savior and paid for it and ransomed it. So today, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit, he move on me in such a great and mighty way that I will celebrate Christmas for your glory and for your honor. In everything that I do, every word that I speak, and every thought of my mind, I pray your convicting hand upon me that you be lifted up. That this year I will truly experience Christmas. Not for myself. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. I 
pray you move during this time of invitation. That heaven come 